You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, the heart of Christmas is Jesus. You can't get any more direct than that. Jesus is the heart of Christmas. It's all about him. It's all for him. And so we fully embrace him today and we turn our attention toward him. The miracle of how God became man and dwelt among us is just one that kind of blows our minds. And we'll look at it from Matthew's perspective today. But I was thinking on Christmas Eve, when I was a child, we'd be going to my uncle's house and it was a special occasion because Christmas was gonna be the next day and this was the celebration within the family, but it was also my grandmother, my father's mother. It was her birthday, Christmas Eve. And so when we would celebrate, we'd go there and there'd be all sorts of changes. Usually <laughs> December 24th, it's rather cool. And we'd come into the house and you'd come into the house and Uncle Harold would have the thermostat programmed for grandma and grandpa. That means it was somewhere just below 110 degrees uh, to make sure that they were comfortable. And so you'd, you'd have that huge contrast of going in from the cold into the warmth and, uh, and the hot. And uh, us kids would play, we'd have a great time. It was, it was fun. It was always fun watching uh, my father interact with his brothers and with his mother and his dad and all that kind of stuff. And as a little kid, you observe all these things and you notice. And I knew that it was good to be a part of this family. It was a good time. It was a good time. Kids were not the focus. It was grandma's birthday. And it was Jesus's birthday. And that was the focus. So it was really pretty good for us because it, it let us know that there was something about Christmas that didn't put us at the center. And I, I, I appreciate that heritage. I know some of us, we, we've come to Christmas gatherings that are not pleasant. They're difficult times. They can be times that are filled with pain and anxiety, not knowing what to do, how to relate. The estrangement of relationships, the difficulties can be really, really tough. But because we put Jesus at the heart of Christmas, it doesn't really matter what our family of origin was like when we come into our new family where Jesus is Lord. And we have reason to celebrate him today. So I just wanna praise the Lord for all that he's done, all that he's doing. We all have that longing in our heart to belong. It's important for us to, to have a sense that here's the place where I'm accepted, here's the place where I'm loved, Here's the place where I fit. And it's always good to have that reality. The problem is we live in a fallen world. And as a result of that, the world is constantly trying to squeeze us to conform into its mold. And as we do that, we find that we don't always meet with acceptance. We meet with kind of conditional relationships that says, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do that for you. It's almost a negotiation. It's a, it's a, a bargaining relationship. And it's like, no. And yet I believe deep in the heart of every human being, 
There's that longing for the more. There's the longing for home with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's, there's a longing to know God and to know what he was doing when he created us. Why did he create us? What's our purpose? What's our identity? And so we, we realize that there's something more than what we've experienced even to this point. Even for those of us that have been walking with the Lord year after year, year after year, growing, gaining in our intimacy, gaining in our understanding of his kingdom and of his ways, there's still always that dimension that there's more to him than what we can put our arms around. He is infinitely good. And all the goodness that we've experienced up until now is just barely scratching the surface of what we have lying before us for all eternity. So we look to Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel is intent on revealing Jesus being the long-awaited fulfillment of God's heart and desire for his creation. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this passage of scripture. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our wills, our emotions, to all of us, the truth of this passage. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph was a righteous man. The picking of who was going to be a part of the incarnation, how God was going to become flesh and dwell among us, was a, an incredible responsibility. We all kind of understand Mary being a virgin, understanding that she had come down through David's line too, and that she was a very special person. But Joseph was a very special man. He was a righteous man. Matter of fact, he was so righteous that an angel had to come and share what was going on with his fiance so that he would understand and be able to receive it. Now, the righteousness of Joseph to me is, is something that we can't overlook. 
Because one, Jesus is going to have to be brought up in an, an environment that is, that is good, that is healthy. And so we've got Mary and I know sometimes as Protestants, we get all worried about the Catholicism, uh, emphasis on Mary. I don't think we emphasize Mary enough. I think the, the incredible nature of this woman was, was so divinely picked. And likewise, the selection of Joseph was divinely ordained. He was a righteous man. And so the angel has to talk to him to help him understand, because Jesus is going to need someone who's going to treat him not as a stepchild, but as a son. I believe Jesus understood, we know at 12 he knew where his father's house was, you know, we understand all the dynamics there that Jesus probably knew that God was his father. At what point of development? Pretty early. But we know that in the first six years, so much is imprinted in the soul and the heart of a child. And so Joseph was the man chosen to be there and to love this little guy, to love Jesus as he was developing and growing. So I praise the Lord for Joseph. One, that he was a righteous man. And two, when the Lord spoke, he obeyed. He obeyed. And so he did what the angel of the Lord told him to do. So from this passage, we find, number one, the, revival, uh, the arrival of Jesus was to save people from their sins. We get that right from the angelic declaration to Joseph. You'll call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from his sins. Save. We've heard a lot about this word, sozo, uh, to save, to rescue, mm. to keep one and rescue them from suffering, to save them from sickness and disease, to make well, to heal, to restore to health. Salvation in the sense of wholeness, the whole aspect of what it means to be saved. Some theological camps, you know, saved is a word that just describes what happens when you say a sinner's prayer and you go from uh, death to life. And once you've said that prayer, you've got your, your badge and you're covered for eternity. And they miss, I think, so much of what salvation truly means. It means all of life. He came to save us from everything that would hinder our lives. And the number one thing that hinders our lives is sin. And we've got an adversary. He hates our guts because we were created in God's image, masculine and feminine. And he knows that we were des designed and created for intimacy, relationship with the Lord. And so he'll do whatever he can do. He'll use pleasure, He'll use fear, he'll use shame, he'll use whatever he can to keep us from realizing that where we belong is with our Father. <laughs> we'll look at that a little more here in just a moment. The second thing 
The revival of Jesus was so that God could be with us. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And I think it's really implied so that we could be with him. If God's with us, then we're with him. Here Jesus comes and he pioneers the way of salvation. He, he makes the way where now humanity for the first time can see what real God looks like. In the cultures of the day, most of the deities were all about punishment. And if you didn't do what was supposed to be done, you got stricken. You had a, a nation come against you and you were overthrown, all those kind of things. And here Jesus has come and he's come to reveal the Father. This is what Father God looks like. <laughs> I, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, Jesus is perfect theology. You say, well, I, I'm just not wired to think theologically. Oh, but you're wired to know Jesus. So whenever you're in some kind of the theological debate with yourself, <laughs> just look at Jesus, because he is a perfect, perfect theology. He will show you who God is. You'll see Jesus, you see the Father. That's what he tells his disciples. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you ask, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen him. Okay? Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. I love that. Emmanuel, God with us. Savior, deliver us from our sins. Save us from our sins. Wow. He came to destroy the work of the evil one, who's held us in bondage by fear of death. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, we were enslaved. Fear of death was, was our number one anxiety problem until Jesus came and he came and defeated on the cross evil in its entirety, taking the keys of hell, setting captives free. And so he is the one who sets the prisoner free. I, I love, I, I didn't get to that last part of, of the definition where it says, to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. He's here to save us from ourselves. He's here to save us from how the evil one has duped us into thinking that we can't live without something. I can't live without this and so we get addicted to it. I can't live without this person or that person or, or whatever it is. He has come to deliver us from all the evils that would keep us from knowing the true Messiah, knowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, when we think of the Godhead, we, we understand that the Father's perspective is a little different than the Son's and the Spirit. The Father wants many sons and daughters. He wants many sons and daughters. He wants a big family. He wants a large family. And so that's, his, that's how we view Father. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's looking for his bride. He's come to save us from our sins. And as he destroys the evils that get in the way of the messianic blessings, he now makes it to where we can be prepared 
adorned, ready to come in union, in marriage with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is looking for a temple. The Holy Spirit belongs to inhabit and to indwell each one of us and to find that that is where he delights in being, in us, leading us, walking beside us. And so as we, as we get this perspective of Jesus, we see it's related to both Father and Holy Spirit. Emmanuel. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Without Jesus, we'll never understand who we truly are. We'll never know our identity. The enemy does too good a job through the hurts and the traumas of life to keep us from being able to see who we truly are. When we see Jesus, we not only see an example of how we should live, but we see an example of who we are. We were made in God's image. Jesus is God. And when we see Jesus, we get an idea of what's going on. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. A savior is one that eliminates any barrier that's between us and God. When we really get to know ourselves, which is a lifelong journey, we'll see and understand even more of how wonderful he truly is. Love is at the very heart of everything that Jesus has done, all that he speaks, all that he does. John records in chapter three, verses 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because of God's great love for us, he sent his son, Jesus. Hmm. So you, you tell your son, you know, I love this people over here. You go. What's the son going to do? You know, oftentimes when we read this, we think this is all just coming from a heavy-handed father who's telling his son what to do. But with it is a loving son who says, I'll go. I love what my father loves. And so he comes, and he comes to us. Father sent the son, and Jesus chose to come. He came, he humbled himself, he emptied out all of his divinity, he took on the form of a servant, <laughs> being fashioned as a man, 
and being obedient even unto death. And so we see as, as Jesus comes because the Father has sent him, Christmas is the miracle of how this whole thing happens on planet Earth. How does something so fragile as a little baby come into play? There's this one illustration, and it's coming from a person from a military mindset. And, and it's talking about how God's mindset on Christmas from a military perspective is he's got a B-52 flying over and out of the, the, the bombs, he, he launches and releases a commando who comes down and hits the earth, not with all the, the strength and power of a Rambo, but a little infant. When we read the book of Revelation, we find that there's a, there's a dragon that's ready to destroy the little infant and his name's Herod. And as, as we see these things happening, the miracle is how the father superintends all of this from an infant who's cared and raised and grows and all the different ways that you know how evil has entered your life. Jesus was just as vulnerable as you. And yet he had a righteous father and a righteous mother who cared for him. But I guarantee you, he skinned his knees, he bled, he got hurt, he went through all of that. But the military plan was not to come from outside and overwhelm, but to come from one point and release an internal revolution that would take care of all humanity. That with Jesus, the one who will save us from our sins, the very foundation of all the evil is the sin of man. And as we come into right relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of a sudden our hearts change. We start treating our wives differently. We start treating our kids differently. We start treating our grandkids differently. We treat our friends, our workers. And Jesus' revolution is so profound that he includes our enemies. Those who have opposed you and have chosen to be an adversary towards you, he's even given a capacity of the cleansing of our heart and the filling of his love in our heart that gives us the ability through him to love even our enemies, to pray for those who insult us and despitefully use us, you know, to, to really shift how Satan came to our world and establish a kingdom of fear, intimidation, oppression. And now from the inside out, we see that when one person says yes to Jesus and asks Jesus to forgive them of their sins, he enters into their heart. The game's not over, it's just started. And from that place, an ongoing develop, developing relationship with the Lord continues for all eternity. It doesn't stop when we die. It will continue, you will continue to grow 
in your intimacy and your awareness and your love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity. So why not get started now? Especially if you're planning on spending an eternity with him. <laughs> you know, the way, I, the way I see it, you're either a believer or a pre-believer. You haven't come into awareness of how much God loves you. And when you come into that awareness, who would resist a savior like that? Who would resist a king like Jesus? I would love to come under allegiance. I would love to come under submission to one whose authority is founded on love, totally. Wow. The author to Hebrew says, our parents disciplined us for their good. But we find that the God who is love, even when he disciplines us, it's for our good. Love is always the foundation of everything he does and says. And so out of that foundation, he releases his love. Do we celebrate Jesus today? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the plan has been inaugurated. And we find ourselves somewhere between his first coming and his second coming. He's coming again. Helpless little baby, first coming. King on a white horse in his second coming. Coming with power, authority coming in demonstrations of his glory. Here a little child, angels, shepherds, all the things that happen, prophecies by people in the temple, all those things. Let us know that this is the one. There'll be no doubt when the second one comes. So while we're in this middle section, it's time to know him, to love him, to grow in him. Wherever you are today, if you've never known him, it's a great day to start, to, to begin your walk with him and allow him to forgive from the inside, to bring a cleansing. You know, I was about, I don't know, seven, eight years old, I think, maybe nine, when, when I came to the Lord. But I had a guilty conscience, and I knew I had sinned, and I was ashamed. And when I asked Jesus to forgive me and to, you know, come into my heart, his forgiveness came. I remember that moment. I cannot believe the feeling of euphoria as all the weight of shame, all the guilt was lifted and love just overwhelmed me. If you haven't had that, today's a good day to start that. It's a good day to be introduced to that. Now for the rest of us who have already had that experience, I wanna encourage you today. This Christmas is going to be over and gone in less than 24 hours. Well, another 12 and a half. And, and it's gonna be the temptation to go back to business as usual 
to go back to the routine of your week, go back in the normality of your job and everything that, that's your daily life. And it's like, no, I believe this Christmas, the Lord is inviting us to know that we belong with him. And out of that intimacy, there is an ocean of love that is designed to be fresh and new every day. The, the Book of Lamentations put it this way, his mercies are new every morning, every morning. Guess what? They're probably new every morning because he, know, he knows that we, we need fresh mercy every morning. We need mercy to wake up, to get up and, and get the day going. Some, you, you already know, just from your relationship, you do not engage until after the first cup of coffee. But he's got new mercies. If you're one of those that's unapproachable until the first cup, guess what? There's new mercies for you. If you're one that would like to sleep in till noon, there's new mercies for you. If you're that early riser, there's even new mercies for you. The new mercies that he has for us this Christmas. I pray that this Christmas will be transformational, that it will have an impact upon us so that the rest of the year and the rest of our lives will be changed because we have been encountering his love, his grace, his forgiveness, the full truth of who he is. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.